Well, I invite you all to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. There's a pew Bible probably nearby you um, as well, if that's helpful to you. The book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible and found in the Old Testament there. And uh, we are going to be looking, starting in chapter 13, last week you all, if you were had the opportunity to be with us, uh, we heard from Brandon Robbins as he preached to us uh, from Joshua 11 through 13, those uh, two or three chapters, about the failure of God's people to really complete what God had given them to do in regards to securing the land, that that, that Old Testament kingdom of God, the actual physical land of Israel. And we were reminded that the, the land is an inheritance, an inheritance for the people. It's something that's really theirs as a gift for them to just take hold of if they would do it. And we saw as well in the mix of that the, the parallel to our lives today that we also find in, in our life individually and probably in our lives as a church corporately that we neglect to lay hold of all that God has for us, uh, all that He has for us to experience with Him spiritually and growing in Him and knowing Him, all that He has for us certainly in responding to His grace through a life of uh, holiness and walking with Him, and all that He has for us to be reaching our community and our world as well. There's an obvious parallel for us, and we saw that uh, last week as we looked at this idea of the land and the fact that the Israelites didn't really complete what God had given them to do. This week, we want to continue along that general theme of the land, but we want to look at more specifically this idea of the inheritance, and in particular, how the inheritance that the people receive in the Old Testament parlays over. It's a type. It's a precursor of the amazing spiritual inheritance that you and I can receive simply through faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now, if you're looking at your worship guide, you can go ahead and breathe a little sigh of relief. Uh, We are not going to read through all of these six or seven uh, chapters. Uh, We're not going to do that number one because uh, I can't pronounce about 90% of the names of the places in there, as you have probably seen over the last few weeks as we've tried to pronounce some of these places up here. But more importantly, the extensive listing over the next six chapters, chapters 13 through 19, of all these locations and towns and rivers and so forth is really, it makes sense, it's for a pre-GPS, pre-MapQuest culture that needed to know where things would be laid out. And that's not our culture. We've got, in fact, in the back of your worship guide, a fairly decent map of how the tribes were laid out in the land of Israel. And you can refer to that if you would like to and see what I'm talking about as we read these. So we're going to hop, skip, and jump our way through these chapters to mainly focus on this primary theme of the inheritance that God gives His people. And there will be some redundancy here, but I think that's important because as we go through this uh, cartographical, is that a word, this map series, this mapping of the land, we're going to see the beauty of a God who graciously gives us an inheritance, the greatest inheritance 
his kingdom, his work in our lives, his eternal kingdom as a free gift. So I do invite you to stand with me, and you'll just have to be ready to flip through some pages of the Bible, starting in Joshua 13, verse 8. It says, with the other half-tribe and the tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses gave to them. Jumping over to verse 15 of chapter 13, and Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben according to their clans. Jumping to verse 24, Moses gave an inheritance also to the tribe of Gad. Verse 29, Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of of Manasseh. Chapter 14, verse 1. These people are the inheritances that the people these are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan. And then it begins to list them out again for the different tribes. So it's told us the ones on the east side of the Jordan River. Now we're going through those on the left side or west side of the Jordan River. 15 Verse 20, chapter 15, verse 20. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Judah. 16, verse 4. The people of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim received their inheritance. I'm not even reading all the times it mentions the word inheritance in here. I'm just picking a few of the highlights. Let's jump on forward to chapter 19. You get the idea here. We've got the tribe of Simeon, it says in verse 9 of chapter 19, receiving their inheritance in the midst of the inheritance. Zebulon getting their inheritance in verse 16 of chapter 19. Verse 23, we see the inheritance to the people Issachar. Verse 31 to Asher. Verse 39 to Naphtali. Verse 40 to Dan. And then finally, Verse 51 of chapter 19, these are the inheritance is that Eliezer, the priest of Joshua, son of nuns, and the heads of their fathers and households of the tribes of the people of Israel distributed by lot at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the land. You may be seated. Oh, Father, we just want to learn from your word what you want to teach us today. And it seems evident that even in just a cursory look at these chapters, that you want us to be reminded of the amazing privilege it is to be able to inherit, not earn, all that you have for us in our salvation in the kingdom of God. We praise you. That you are a gracious God who gifts to us what you want us to have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have a confession to make this morning. I have, in fact, watched all of the Downton Abbey Season 1 and Season 2 series on TV. And I didn't completely hate it. Now, before the men in here begin to plan, as you maybe all are ready, some sort of manhood intervention for your pastor, probably involving barbecue and some aggressive sporting event and maybe building a log cabin from scratch or something, let me kind of explain where I'm coming from. 
Downton Abbey is an interesting story because it begins with this huge dilemma that the Crawley family, I believe it is, are dealing with in England in the early 1900s. They lack a male heir. They have several daughters, but no male heir. And at that time, that's the way the inheritance has had to go. And their only known or familiar male heir down the line has just died accidentally. And so they have to find someone, stretch out into the outer reaches of their family, and find somebody that could potentially work. And eventually they track down Matthew. Matthew Crawley, though, is a middle-class fella, not part of the aristocracy of the rest of the Crawley family. And uh, he's got a middle-class job as an attorney, and he likes his middle-class life. And he's got a little edge against the aristocracy as well. And so when he finds out that he's going to get this inheritance or has the potential to receive it, a lot of the drama in the early part of that series centers around the fact that He's not really sure he's that interested to receive it. And we can understand a little bit of his skepticism about the uh, legitimacy, I guess, of the aristocratic elites, their idleness, maybe a little bit of injustice in the way that they have all this and other people don't have much. But that's not really his main beef. His main issue is that he is used to being able to earn being able to work for, being able in his own power and his own ability, get what he has. That's the life he's been used to leading. And now he has an opportunity to receive not only this huge fortune, really, but to carry on the legacy of this family, uh, to, in a sense, be a part of this whole family environment and the influence that comes with it. But he's not sure he really wants it in large part, because he has not earned it. And it's a fascinating example for us as we think about this main idea that we see in our verses today. And if you want to follow along in the back of your worship guide, you can. There's a section of notes there. But that God has offered us, you and me, an inheritance in the promised land of His heavenly kingdom. And so we should readily receive all the blessings of it. The fact is that even though the Bible says in places like Romans 8 that we can be heirs with Christ, that simply through faith and receiving Him we can cry out to God as our Father and we can receive, be co-heirs with Him of all the blessing He has. The fact is that we're not sure either about this whole idea of just receiving something as a gift. I've mentioned before in past weeks, part of it is it's an assault to our pride. Whatever class we may come from, middle class or upper class or lower class or otherwise, it's an assault to our pride that we can't earn it. We can't make it happen in our own power. The only way we can receive it as as a gift. And it's interesting, and you may again follow along in your worship guide, that it can be easy for us as well to maybe not reject, although that may be the case for some here, reject the inheritance, 
but at least neglect it. Not think very much of it. Not realize how tremendous it is. We can be a little bit like Matthew Crawley in that way. Jeremiah chapter 18 is an Old Testament passage that I think Brandon may have mentioned last week as he was preaching. And it reminds us that, you know, while maybe a character in a TV series or whatever, or even somebody in this life can, if they want to, opt out of an inheritance. I don't want it. I'll walk away from it. But it's a dangerous thing for us spiritually to look at the inheritance that God has for us and to not receive it or to not rejoice in it, to not run hard after it, to say, God, by Your grace, I want to receive all that You have for me. Jeremiah 18 reminds us of how dangerous it is to kind of despise the inheritance of God. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise, go down to the potter's house. Somebody making pots he's going to see. And there I will, you will hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. And then he kind of explains. I guess you could say that's kind of an Old Testament parable right there. So the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do it. He's saying he's ready to give an inheritance for those that will come and seek it humbly. But then listen to this. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it and it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I'll relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. I read that to remind us it's important that we see the inheritance of God for what it is and receive it and, and love it as something that is good and a blessing for us. Let's take a moment then, and I think you all will be able to track along with us. I want to look for a moment at the land in the Old Testament. What did it mean for them? And then jump into the New Testament and see the marvelous passages that describe the blessings of the inheritance as it's fulfilled in Christ. Well, what do we learn from the Old Testament emphasis on the land? Really just two things I want to highlight. The idea of the land doesn't begin with Joshua or even with Moses going in and taking the land. It goes all the way back, doesn't it, to Genesis. You remember what God did? He didn't just have Adam and Eve kind of floating around in space somewhere. He put them in a place. He put them in a garden. He gave them a place to be. And we see that, as some of you all have been seeing in the Sunday school class on God's big picture the last number of months, we see that fulfilled in the Bible, don't we, in this fact that if you want to summarize, if you want to understand the Bible from beginning to end, it's this main idea, that God is calling a people to Himself, 
with a plan that he has for them to take them to a place under his rule and blessing. A people, a plan, a place under his rule and blessing. Adam and Eve, you see it. Abraham gets the promise of the land. Moses and Joshua go in and take the land. The kings rule over the land. In the time of the prophets, towards the end of the Old Testament, the folks are losing the land and being taken away into exile because they haven't walked in faith and repentance with the Lord. Then in the New Testament, remember what Jesus says about himself? He says, one, that he comes to tabernacle to dwell with the people to kind of be present among them and he also says that he's the temple he's the place for the people to go the church we see described in the new testament is the temple of the lord is his expression across the globe now god's expanding what he was doing in israel and taking his work to the nations through the church and then lastly in revelation we see that god has established for us a heavenly place A place called heaven. That's a location that we're going to if we're in Christ. So the land is a symbol, a representation of all of this for us. And I want to say just a thing or two about that as we transition and look into what Christ does to fulfill that inheritance. And the best way to do it is to flip with me. I got just a couple of passages from the New Testament. I know we've covered a couple of scriptures already, but hang with me. Flip over to Ephesians. It's in the New Testament if you have a Bible handy. And Ephesians is after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, after Acts, after Romans. It's before you get to Hebrews and so forth. One of those little smaller letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 11 through 14, and just listen, just listen to this and think about the parallels between that land and that inheritance for the Old Testament people and what we can enjoy through Christ. It says in him, in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, we have obtained what? An inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it To the praise of His glory. Oh, look with me at these verses. Just a couple of things I want to highlight. Number one, it says that it's inherited. It's something that comes to us. And it's interesting because there are a lot of parallels, aren't there? You might know that you're receiving an inheritance. Maybe you've got an uncle or someone that's wealthy and does not have any children of their own. Maybe you know already that there's an inheritance coming So you've kind of already received it, but you haven't yet either. The fullness of it hasn't come. Or maybe it's coming in stages to you. That's a little bit of the way the kingdom is. There's an already and not yet to it. All right? If you're here today and you put your trust at some point in your life in Christ, you have hopefully started to experience what it is to know God in a personal way, to live in His grace to seek to follow Him and realize that His commands are good and 
to live in the community of the church and experience the blessing and encouragement from others around you. So we're already getting it, but it's still broken, isn't it? We're broken. We fall short. Our marriages have brokenness in them. Talked earlier about our parenting. Not just talking about broken bones in our kids, but brokenness. Our church family has that too. It, so it's, it's, we've got the inheritance, but it's, it's not fulfilled yet. All of it hasn't come. There's an already and not yet to it. We're also seeing these Ephesians verses something about the inheritance, and that is that it has to be received. It has to be something we take in. Now, we may not remember. We might have been in our youngest, earliest years of life, and we don't remember that time when we first kind of received salvation and received the inheritance. Or maybe it was last week that you came to a place of seeing that you needed Jesus and needed His blessing, His inheritance. But it has to be received. Look with me at the passage here. It says it in verse 13. When you heard the word of truth, hearing it's good, it's good to know, you know, that you've got this opportunity, the gospel of salvation, it's good news. You can know that it's good news, but it has to be believed in. It has to be received. And then the last thing, what is amazing is that when we receive it, it's guaranteed. And not just guaranteed by anybody. If you've got a will, or again, going to the example of an uncle or somebody, you know, it's not just that they've got the will, and the will says that you should get something. You've got to have somebody, I think it's called an executor, right, of the will, who's designated what's their job. To make sure you get what you're supposed to. Could be a couple bucks, could be a little, you know, picture or something that the family passes on. Whatever it is, that's their job. Guess who's making sure that you and I get exactly what we are supposed to get from Jesus Christ in our inheritance? The third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the executor, the guarantor of this arrangement. Flip over with me to Colossians. It's the next uh, book, actually the second book after this in the Bible. Interestingly enough, listed again in verses Uh, 11 through 14 of chapter 1 is this idea of an inheritance. Read this with me again. I I hope hope you all are getting this. This stuff's beautiful to me, this reality of God's inheritance. Verse 11, Colossians. Again, another letter the Apostle Paul wrote. And he says this, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the, what? Inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we've got redemption, the forgiveness of sins. A couple things. Let me highlight again from this passage. What do we get from the inheritance We get strengthened. You know, how do we get through our lives? How do we not just get through life, but really prosper in the sense of doing all that God has for us? We got to have his strength. We cannot do it in our own power. And he gives us endurance, patience, joy. Those things can come from him. In those places in our life where we say, I don't have the capacity to do it. I can't get there in my life. 
The fact that we have an inheritance from God should strengthen us because it tells us the ultimate stuff is all taken care of. It matters what happens in this life. It's not that it doesn't matter, but all of it is colored and in light of the fact that the ultimate thing, our eternal inheritance, is taken care of. How do we get it? Remember Matthew? Matthew couldn't get around, or eventually he does, I guess, but initially he couldn't get around the fact that it was a gift. Look at what it says in our Colossians passage, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. We don't qualify ourselves for the kingdom of God. We don't become sons and heirs of this majestic thing of God's working in our life, of His eternal kingdom, by our own power at all. It all comes because God qualifies us through His Son, Jesus. And lastly, He's delivered us over. He's brought us over. Tomas Martinez was a 67-year-old street dweller, I guess you would call him, in Santa Cruz de la Sierra, Bolivia. And he lived on as a vagrant on the streets for quite some time. The police approached him one day and tried to reach out to him to convey to him some really important news. But because of some addiction issues, because he'd been in trouble with the law before in the past, he ran away. And despite invoking the help of the media, getting various charities involved, the police were never able to track down Tomas and had to give his $6 million inheritance that they were trying to share with him about to his ex-wife. We can operate like that, can't we? Used to living in kind of an orphan mentality, used to kind of living outside of the blessing and afraid of even the one who comes and gives us a message of a great inheritance. Somehow, incredibly good news becomes a reason for us to go run and hide and get away instead of a reason to say, great, tell me about it. I can't wait to receive this blessing that you have for me. Hebrews chapter 11, one last passage for us to look at. Keep moving on through your Bible. Right before James is the book of Hebrews. And let me just read a couple of verses and then we'll conclude. This stuff's amazing too. This, this, anyway, Hebrews 11, take a look with me. All right, it's talking about the heroes of the faith. It's given a list of the different people highlighted throughout the history of Israel and how they believed God and received amazing things because of it. Verse 8, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Verse 13. 
These all died in faith, Abraham and his family, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What an amazing thing to be able to look in faith to a homeland, to a better country. Spiritually speaking, we're talking here. A better place, a better relationship, a better life in what Christ has for us. One more story. Luis Carlos. This is, this is kind of wild. He was a wealthy and, as you'll see, very eccentric man. He drew quite a bit of attention in his home country, Portugal, when he established a will back in the mid-1990s because it's not the normal custom to do that in that country. What was even more attractive and compelling to the world was 13 years later, in 2007, when 70 people whom Carlos had chosen at random from the phone book in his city received his estate. You know, God's working in our life isn't random. It's purposeful and it's intentional. But it's just like those people must have felt. Can you imagine getting a call that you don't know anybody at all? It's not an uncle in your family or somebody you're expecting from. You've been selected, really, at random to be able to receive something that You've got no claim to, you've got no lineage, you've got connection to whatsoever. God's purposes are intentional. We read earlier, he calls his people according to the counsel of his will, so it's not random. But what a blessing it is for you and I, who will receive it, who will take it in, who will come in faith and repentance in Christ, to be able to receive something that's just as out of the blue as that, really. It's just as amazing as that, that we have no claim to, in and of ourselves, God's glorious inheritance given to us by His grace and for His glory. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank You that You have qualified us to share in Your inheritance Lord, the spiritual working that You do in our lives now, the relationship that we can have with You and knowing You and walking with You each day, forgiveness, the grace we can know in the many areas where we fall short, and Your power to walk with You, all of which, Lord, we know is just a taste, just an initial payment, if you will, and the ultimate inheritance we will enjoy with you in eternity, if we will receive, if we will take in your work for us, your inheritance. We praise you for that.
In Jesus' name, amen.